it's time for another episode of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes. Here's your host, Terrence McCauley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest today is someone I have wanted to have on for quite a while now. Her name is Jessica McHugh. She is a novelist, a uh, playwright, and a multi-time Bram Stoker Award-nominated author. She has had her works published in poetry, horror, sci-fi, and the YA genre as well. The Quiet Ways I Destroy You is her latest work. Jessica, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Of course. So why don't you tell us a little bit about The Quiet Ways I Destroy You and about your general approach to uh, the art of creativity? Yeah, absolutely. So The Quiet Ways I Destroy You is a 155-piece blackout poetry collection. Um, it's cosmic yeah. horror blackout poetry, and it is created from four different versions of Louisa May Alcott's Little Women. So I basically <laughs> took, they're all four different versions. I cut them up, I painted them, I sculpted them. I turned them into this beautiful beast <laughs> of a collection. Um, and it was incredibly fun to make. And it was, uh, it was a transformative journey for me, definitely. And for my, um, my feelings towards that novel in general, which I feel everybody kind of, you know, Little Women feels like kind of like that call uh, we're all born in, like everyone comes out <laughs> born knowing what Little Women is and having it be a part of their lives. Um, so I I have a very um, personal connection to it, um, but it, it's nothing compared to what my connection is to it now. So it was a lot of fun to do. It sounds like your affinity for that story has grown as you've grown as an artist as well. You haven't left it behind. You've actually, it's become more of a part of you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I read it when I was a kid, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't my favorite book. I just, mm. you know, I, I always loved obviously the character of Joe. I, I very much identified with that character as a writer and you know, someone who didn't want to be like the girly girl or didn't want to be, you know, put into like a box of what femininity is and what being a woman is. So I definitely identified mm -hmm. with her. And um, I grew up with obviously the 90s movie with Winona Ryder and and Christian Bale. And then now we have um, the Greta Gerwig version that just came out a few years ago, which I feel it like is such an amazing interpretation. So I, I really used those and my own experience to explore that story more, um, to explore what it is to be a woman or different types of women, um, and also how we all um, connect in different ways and become almost one giant little woman right. <laughs> over the world. Like I said, it's very <laughs> cosmic horror. So. <laughs> it's fantastic that you have that view of such a classic bit of literature. And I know that you've been doing blackout poetry for a while now. And I, when, when you first put the videos on Facebook of you doing it, I said, wow, that, I don't know, I've never heard of that before, but damn, that's interesting. And what you found was some pretty interesting stuff. How did you come upon that medium? Um, I had known about it for a, a little while. I'd kind of seen um, like sprinklings through Instagram and stuff like that. Um, it was, I think it was around 2016, I went to, um, maybe, maybe 2015, around that time, I went to uh, Raw Dog Screaming Press, 
um, convention, DogCon, and they had little gift bags for everybody. And John Edward Lawson had actually made a, a blackout poem that he like put in everybody's bags. And uh, yeah, I had it on my wall forever. And there was there was one day I was like, oh, I'm going to try to do it. And I used like a Game Informer magazine because you can use anything to make it. <laughs> Right. Um, and uh, it didn't it didn't work out so well. Um, so I, I didn't really try it again um, until 2019 when uh, I was going through some financial struggles and a lot of people um, sent us donations and stuff to help out. Uh, and I wanted to thank people. So I made some I was like, I'm going to make some thank you gifts. I'm going to try to do some blackout poetry, because even if I suck at it, it's personal it's, you know, one right. of a kind. I think people will appreciate, you know, that I put some effort into it. So I went to the Dollar Tree and um, they had a Shirley Jackson book of essays and, and short stories and stuff. And I was like, right. what? That's with Shirley Jackson at the Dollar Tree? Okay. Just <laughs> 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 very strange. So I picked that up. I, I, I didn't really re know what I was doing. I, I knew the basic premise. You're trying to find a poem inside an existing page of prose and then you use art to black out the su superfluous text. So I just had right. that to work on. And once I started, I just didn't stop. I loved it so much. It was so fun to me. And, you know, I, I was using just crayons and markers at first. Then I started adding paper craft, uh, paint, now a collage. So it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And now I do a lot more like illustrative stuff, which I wasn't even doing illustration or any kind of real drawing. I had stopped for like 20 years. So really, yeah. So I, cause I was, I did it a lot as a kid and then I was kind of bullied out of it. So I stopped making art in that way. So that's uh, horrible. I know by my brother, no less. Oh. <laughs> but, oh no, wow. Yeah, it's really bad. So I in blackout poetry not only, you know, did I find a new writing medium, but I was able to reintroduce myself to this art form that had that I'd left behind like a long time ago. So it really um it's it saved me in a lot of ways. I was I was feeling very kind of burnt out and um, I had, I, I just released some books that didn't really go anywhere. No one read them, right. no one reviewed them. So I was just kind of feeling down and all of a sudden it's like, I was awake again. And, you know, I was creating all these amazing things and opening up all these, these doors inside me that have been closed for a really long time. So, um, and that was 2019 and, uh, yeah, I just, <laughs> I have not stopped. It's just so wow. <laughs> it's amazing too because when I because you would take videos of you of the of the stuff that you were created while you were doing your blackout poetry and the, the illustrations were beautiful and it's amazing that you were able to touch that from 20 years ago and then go right back into it and that that amazes me wow that's that I did not know that part I did not know you were all away from illustrating that long yeah wow. what the the strange thing was was you know my brother who bullied me basically out of making art he passed away in January, 2021. And I ended up, um, that month was when I started uh, making Strange Nests, which is the collection that uh, I made from The Secret Garden. Um, and mm. I had no intention of making a collection. I just was looking for a distraction uh, from my grief. And The Secret Garden is such a huge grief book 
which I did not, (laughs) I really did not remember about it being so, so heavy. Um, But once I started kind of playing around and I was like, oh my gosh, now I, this has to be a collection. It has, you know, it has to be grief poetry. And that's really when I got back into illustration in a big way. So it was um, just a weird kind of, you know, he, he passed away and then I got my power back, you know, right. in a strange way. Um, you, you know, <laughs> not, not to yeah. be like, I'm glad he's dead, but no, <laughs> but no, no, I don't know. No, I get it. Yeah. Because I was the same way. I, I wanted to write a book about the 1930s uh, and I didn't because my parents had me late in life and they remembered that era. And I thought, I don't want to write something like that because they're going to make fun of me or I'll disappoint them. But after they passed, that's when I really focused on that part. And so I, I appreciate, it's not the same thing, but I appreciate your journey toward re- rediscovering a bit of that art. That That's fascinating to me. Yeah. And it, I mean, it turned into to, to be a very healing collection for me because, um, you know, I, I really had not experienced grief like that before, especially Mm. um, since he uh, was an addict for decades. Um, So that is a definitely, definitely a strange kind of grief where you're like, wow, this really sucks. You know, I don't have my brother anymore, but also Mm. he doesn't have this, you know, sadness and addiction and everything anymore. Like there's a strange sense of relief um that that comes with knowing that you know that person doesn't have to be in pain anymore um and struggle so hard so it's a it was it was a very interesting collection to make and like I said not one that I had sorry intended to make uh right really really glad I did right yeah and it's amazing that you know sometimes people who aren't creative and they're, they're consumers and that's wonderful but they think that we find the art but sometimes in life circumstance the art discovers us, doesn't it? Correct, very much so. <laughs> right, yeah, and in this particular case too. And it's amazing that you're you're like a triple threat, if you will, because you're you're a poet, you're a playwright, you're you also write uh, you know regular fiction, long form fiction, short form, and quadruple threat. You're a hell of an illustrator. Um, I know you talked about how you uh, we discovered your illustration passion. Uh, do you find that now to be as rewarding as your prose or is are they two different baskets? Uh, it's it's interesting because I, I did always want to be a visual artist. Um, like growing up, my mom bought me any type of like art equipment I wanted. Try, I was like trying to find my medium. I painted a lot. Something I did as a kid a lot was I put on horror movies and I would have a canvas, uh, not a canvas, but like um, just paper set up and I would put a paintbrush on the paper and when I got scared I'd be like, ah! like all over the place so I would be like right. I'd create this thing that was my fear on the page I'm like this is serpent in the rainbow um right and like oh wow yeah it was a very and I still have uh all of them which is they're they're dumb but <laughs> they're just funny uh so I I did always want to be a visual artist so uh this you know blackout poetry gave me a chance to feel that um I definitely, I think I do get more satisfaction from writing. Um, although it's it's so strange because blackout poetry has um, 
so many different tiers of like, you did a good job, you did it. Um, because you find the poem, yay, you found a poem, you wrote a poem. Second, right. make the art, ah, there's art, <laughs> like, wow. Three, right. it, you know, maybe, hey, it's in a collection or, you know, you sell it or, you know, someone did, does a commission. So, I mean, there are so many levels of victory in that for me. So, and it takes a lot less time than writing a novel, <laughs> of course. Right. Yes, it does. So, yes, I mean, it does novel you know you can you can get those little milestone victories um especially when you're like you figure something out and you're like oh like that kind of thing and then you finish it of right. course you're like I finished a novel and I published it but then like it might not do anything from there like yeah. you know it yeah. whereas blackout poetry I feel like I can open the page and look at this thing I created or I see it framed in someone's house and you know someone is getting something from it you know no matter what so I, I do feel like I enjoy it on that level a little bit more than say writing novels but um right I, but I, I also love the combination of it where at like Little Women or um, Quiet Ways I Destroy You I feel like there was a story there. Um, I sat down and I thought about the story I wanted to tell, the characters I wanted to use. There's a little bit of that in Strange Nests as well. But, you know, that's combining poetry and art and then also my sensibilities as a storyteller and, you know, novels right. and stories. And um, the next collection I'm working on, which is erotic horror uh, made from Wuthering Heights. <laughs> <laughs> And it's written in a play format. So it's, oh, wow. you know, and, uh, I have a whole cast of characters that are things like, you know, the knife, the meat, the brine, the shell. We have the greasy spoon, which is like a whole group of like the chef and um, the, the salt, the fat, you know, <laughs> the sugar. So there are all right. these characters um, and I, there is a full, uh, arcing story that is going on and it, it's written all in play format all of the blackout poems are going to be mostly collage just because they are there is so much dialogue going on between the characters right. but um i i'm also doing some experimentation with a lot of like figure drawing and watercolor and stuff so it's really been you know pushing my boundaries a lot there's a lot i'm drawing a lot of boobies <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. I'm just like my poor husband. I feel like I'm in middle school, seriously, because I'm just sitting on the couch drawing naked people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this feels like so weird. <laughs> uh, you know, but during it's amazing. Class, I, I would just draw guys' abs all the time. I'd just be like, yes. <laughs> Whatever gets you through the class, right? Yeah, right. And I just it feels so. <laughs> Uh, putting me in this weird space of of feeling like giggly and silly, but but it's also like it's a lot of fun and and pretty. It's a pretty gross book, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, and I mean it's amazing that you're able to look at these existing works, these accepted works, and finding the poem within the story or the the, the story, your own story within the words. That's yeah. fascinating. I mean, it, it's it's funny because if you go through um, a novel where you're making one a collection from one novel, you really can s distill it down to its uh, most basic themes by making blackout poetry. I mean, so many of the same words are used over and over, so many of the same themes. You really start to discover an author's favorite words. Um, right. <laughs> 
episode because you're like, well, okay. Um, gosh, Louisa May Alcott loved Buttonhole, which is really problematic for me as a black guy. <laughs> yeah, I can I, imagine. Because I just, now that I've been doing it so long, if I'm reading prose, I can, I start to see all the little words hidden inside words. So it can be a little, <laughs> a little weird in that way. Um, but when I was looking at Wuthering Heights, I was actually using it, I'm making a, um, a, a workbook, a blackout poetry workbook, or we're calling it a playbook, really. Mm. So I, my publisher, uh, Jacob at Apocrypha, he sent me a whole bunch of books to, to work with, and he sent me Wuthering Heights, and I started to make these things for the playbook. Um, which, you know, I want to be, I want to show horror and, and love and sex and stuff like that, but I don't want it to be too filthy because I want everyone to be able to use it. Um, right. Every, everything I was finding in Wuthering Heights was just so raunchy and like sticky. And <laughs> I was like, what is happening? And I sent him a message and, you know, I was like, everything I'm finding in Wuthering Heights is just so like erotic. And he goes, well, I mean, we, you could make an erotic <laughs> collection. And I was like, right. okay, maybe. And uh, yeah, the more I fooled around with it, the, the more I, I started to explore and saw how much food is featured in Wuthering Heights. There's Interesting. A, it's, yeah, it's very strange. There's a lot of scenes of eating and um, kitchens and dining rooms, a lot. Yeah, a lot of food mentioned. So um wow i i decided to go with this uh kind of feast uh feeling about it so it the erotic and the horror is is very uh married there in feast and uh, right. have things like the shell the brine the knife the meat and you know the greasy spoon so wow. it's 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 wild <laughs> man that blows my mind and it, because it, it's fantastic too, because you know anybody can extrapolate anything they want from a from a work. But with, with your blackout poetry, the stuff that's really interesting is that you're literally showing your work, because mm -hmm. you're taking the text that's right there on the page, and you're saying, "This is how I got there." And mm -hmm. it's like we're going on the journey with you. That and and then plus with your illustrations, you might say, "Oh, well, what's that doing in a book by Louisa May Alcott?" But mm -hmm. the way you do it, it makes complete sense. It Thank works. You. Yeah, I loved, um, uh, yeah, when I was doing Quiet Ways I Destroy You, there was so much sewing, sewing mm. with such, and on so many pages, it was talking about sewing and weaving and um, nature and stuff. So I, I started to get this vision um, of, um, you know, the trees, the forests that have one giant root system that's tied together with the mycorrhizal fungi, which I always mispronounce. Um, so <laughs> it's the fungi that like lives in roots and um, they it causes them to grow together and have a communication system. Um, so you could have a tree on the other side of the forest um, that is being warned of impending danger by something on the complete opposite end. Uh, so with wow. it, and it's so neat. And I was like, what a great theme for, for little women for this kind of book, how we all are joined together, not only by the experience of being women and femininity and all that kind of stuff, but the book, Little Women itself, um, right. just connects us all. So everyone has some kind of like little connection to it. So I kind of right. old with, with that theme. So yeah, right. it kind of goes back to that distillation of, of the themes of the books. I mean, it, 
I'm just sitting here. They're doing it to me. I'm not looking for it. <laughs> yeah, that's what's so fascinating to somebody like me who doesn't read that. But when I've seen, when I watched your work on, on Facebook and stuff, I said, wow, this works. She's mm-hmm. really, and, and, and especially with the, the fungi references, it's literally an underworld. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it literally is. It's, a, it's the world beneath the world that we don't always see. And it's amazing how you're starting to see a lot of that now in, in popular culture, like with uh, The Last of Us. Um, where they're not just zombies, but they're actually fungi, mm-hmm. and that's uh, and and they communicate that way. And it, I, I saw something, and in, in I think it was a passing article in Popular Mechanics where there's actually people who are working with using fungi as uh, computer networks. Okay, yeah, because cool. so that they say that it's really good for communicating electricity and, mm-hmm. and things like that, and that way maybe you don't need the rare earth minerals. So mm-hmm. it, it that just shows you how. Fiction can definitely influence real life, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. It definitely does. Now, a lot of your stuff, uh, and, and you self-describe it, is, uh, is inspired by the horror genre, the, the you know movies, books that you've read. What is it about that genre that you've gravitated to? I know you. It sounds like you've done it from an early age. You mm-hmm. talked about your paintings while you were writing, uh, while you were watching a movie. What was it about that genre that that you gravitated to? Um, it just feels like so limitless, like horror, Mm -hmm. you can, you can basically do anything you want. It can be grounded. It can be completely off the wall. It can be quiet. It can be splatter punk, you know, there, there, it has so many different moods and so many different crossovers, things like, you know, horror, sci-fi and, or rural horror, folk horror. Um, you know, it's just, feels like an endless playground. And and I, I really, really love to explore that. Um, I think, you know, some of the biggest things that we feel as humans are fear and also, um, you know, love or, or sexual attraction and horror, mm-hmm. um, you know, horror gives that same kind of like sex kind of vibe, like erotic vibe where it excites you, you know, gets your heart racing, gets your palms right. sweaty. Um, certainly gets you on the edge of your seat and paying attention to what's going on. So um, I, I love to explore those themes. Um, and I, I selfishly love the feeling that I can inspire that in someone else. I definitely, I love the idea of um, when I wrote Train Derails in Boston um, and uh, the Green Kangaroos right. and stuff like that. I loved the idea of like just making someone sick um because when I, when I read American Psycho by Brad Easton Ellis I physically threw up from that book it's the only book that's wow. throw up and I think that's amazing like how what yeah. an effective you know novel that it could cause that much of a physical reaction in me so um I I love that idea of you know someone being like oh god <laughs> setting the book down and you know, um, or being like, oh my, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that the, all those different reactions. Yeah, it, it's and funny that you that, just... I, that's why I like erotic horror so much, because when you can do that on the same page, <laughs> that's You've just got something. Yeah. <laughs> You've definitely got something. Yeah, what you just said reminded me of the uh, this little reaction I got to uh, The Shining when I had to read it in sophomore English in high school. And I, I would get headaches from the passages, and I couldn't stop reading it. But it was, and that's a much more complicated book than people think. They see the movie, and that's one interpretation of it. But the book is is another world entirely. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, 
and it's amazing that you were able to uh, to tap into horror because one of my literary heroes is Richard Matheson, who's written, mm -hmm. you know, fantasy and he wrote westerns and he wrote regular crime books and he also wrote a significant amount of horror. One yeah. of them being I Am Legend, which which blew me away. Yeah, I mean something. Yeah, something like I Am Legend, which is you know, spine. It's chilling. It's terrifying. Um, and then you have something. Uh, what dreams may come. Uh, you mm -hmm. know. Matheson, which is just the most heartbreaking, like beautiful book. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I definitely as aspire to, um, I, I love to just follow my heart and my mind and whatever I'm feeling. I don't like being put in a box. Um, right. and that's why I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I would love, I love Matheson and I love him for that reason that, that transcending genre Bradbury did that really well too. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a wonderful thing. I we we contain multitudes, um, and mm. to limit yourself to one thing um, because you're afraid people aren't gonna be able to find you when they need you. I I used to get that all the time where it's just like you need to pick a genre and stick with and just go straight ahead. Right. I had kids tell me that as well, and I was I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> no, I mean if it, mm -hmm. if I'm not you know commercially successful that's fine but you know i get i get bored um i you know i've written series you know i'm in the middle of writing a trilogy i'm writing the last book but you know i have a, a young adult series as well um and i you know i love write i love writing every book i i always enjoy right. um but i i don't like writing the same thing over and over and over again even if i really love the characters um right I, I just, I love to test my own boundaries. Um, I love to write in different styles, different genres. And like I said, you know, horror, but really the whole world of fiction and art is a playground. All I want to do is play. I mean, I, I'll work really hard to play. But <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, at their heart, they're all good stories. And, you know, that's, that, that, and that's what is, is the commonality of it. I mean, you can, you can do what you want, but especially with your stuff, it's always grounded in what's really a good story. Mm, thank you. I, I mean, I, no, love, I love characters. I love exploring different characters. And I, I think you don't really, I write at bars a lot. Um, and <laughs> I, I that was going to be my next thing. Yeah. I, I wouldn't call myself a, a people watcher per se, um, but I, I definitely listen to people oh, yeah. and um, just kind of get little inspirations from people. I have that kind of Sonder thing where it's, you know, I hear one little snatch of a conversation. And I'm like, what was that about? Was it about this? What's going on back at home? What happened here? What happened in the yes. now? So um, that, that's something I just really love to explore. Yeah, that was going to be my next uh, remark about you because you, you'll always say, oh, I'm in a bar and I'm minding <laughs> my own business and some guy's talking to me or, you know, I'm overhearing this conversation. It's, you know, it, it's it's about the artist being aware of their surroundings. And mm -hmm. that's that's also part of this, the uh, the journey that you share on Facebook and other places because you, you say this, again, you show your work. You say, mm -hmm. this is what's going on around me right now. I can't really believe it. I used to do the same thing on the trains. And when I was work, when I would work in Midtown, and I'd overhear conversations. Train is It's good. amazing the kind of inspiration you could pick up, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I used to take, uh, I used to teach creative writing in D.C., and I would take the train every morning. And my goodness, no one wanted to sit next to me though. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
maybe John the Vampire was the problem. I was either writing or I was reading. I remember I was reading like uh, Red Dragon or something and no one would sit next to me. They'd like look and they'd look at me and be like, uh, and I'm like, what is it? My fingernails are dirty. Yeah, sure. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I used to take a commuter train into the city uh, from Dutchess County. It was like a two hour ride. And sometimes I would put the Poisoner's Handbook right next to me on the seat so no one would sit next to me. It worked most of the time, but then sometimes they said, yeah, get that out of the way. I want to sit down. I think I ended up with a, a short story about how no one would sit next to me. <laughs> <laughs> Inspirations <Right>. everywhere. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Now, I know that you've got a lot of things going on. What's the next stuff that the kind of thing that we can expect from you now that you've received yet another Bram Stoker Award nomination, which is awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I still, it's still just a long list. So not a, not a nomination yet, but yay very excited i am very excited. um they put that specifically in the rules so i don't want right that. <laughs> yeah you're you're you're, you're yeah you're, you made the long list <laughs> yeah exactly um so i am currently working on the third book in the gardening guidebooks trilogy um it's the last installment of uh that trilogy from ghoulish books which started with rabbits in the garden which was originally published in 2011 it was republished um last year along with the sequel hairs in the hedgerow um not mm. last year the year before 2022 i'm still in 2023 over here <laughs> <laughs> so uh that's it's a really fun one because the first one is like 1950s asylum horror uh the second one is 1970s cult horror and so this last installment is 1980s glam metal horror and it's it's a lot of fun but it's a lot of pressure because i'm tying up decades of loose ends <laughs> right right yeah that's the rewarding thing about writing a series but it's also the challenging one as well yeah. because you got to make sure because if you leave a loose end the audience will remember it yeah so i'm i'm working very hard on that it should be out august this year from ghoulish books um and then i'm also working on feast my next blackout poetry collection made from wuthering heights um and as, wow. as well as that uh blackout poetry playbook uh that one's called uh seek and hide blackout poetry all right <laughs> and, i like that yeah yeah it's a lot of fun it's it's mostly mostly done but we're still working out some stuff um and then in march i'm gonna be a ghoul of honor at the ghoulish book festival in texas and, and so i'm i'm really excited oh wow that's awesome that's gonna be a great event for you honor. <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah that's fantastic it, it's amazing that you've been able to reach so many people through so many different media that's uh, that's got to be a thrill for you when yeah. the moments of doubt creep in as they do to every writer absolutely it's um you know it's been 15 years since my first published book so it's it's I've had a lot of ups and downs and uh yeah. you know some disappointments most of my most of my back catalog is out of print and I'm I'm just like I would love to get it back out there but you know I'd also love three other me's to do that <laughs> so right I can, yeah it takes a lot of time yeah so um I it's but it's been a crazy ride crazy wonderful mad ride and um like my husband is a huge supporter and he he tells right. me all the time he's like you know it's amazing seeing the next thing you do and the next thing and I, how I keep learning kind of new things and new arts and new ways to express myself and 
that's that's amazing because I don't I don't really think of it. I especially with blackout poetry, I kind of see what I want to make in my head. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. I have no idea how to do this. Now I have to figure it out. And um, right. I do it. And I but I don't really think about how that looks to someone from the outside. So it's always right. nice to, for to have that person who's like, do don't you understand how incredible you are? You know, not not to sound like big headed, but, you know, we all need to be reminded of that sometimes, I think, because as artists, especially um, and writers, because we can get so down on ourselves. A lot of times we're the only ones to read and critique our work. um, And we don't we just don't know. We don't know if we're any good. And so to to have someone who's just like, no matter what, what you're doing is amazing and you're you're doing the damn thing. Um, Right. And that's, that's always great. So he's, he's been a big supporter of mine. Um, and he's been very patient with all the clutter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. Yep. (laughs) There's a lot of clutter. (laughs) Yeah. I used to, when I would write the 1930s stuff, I'd have big piles of of books that I would buy that, and they were around for so long, they were usually cheap, but they were still piles on the floor. My wife was like, you got to get a e-reader because this damn thing, I'm tired of hitting my toe on the side of these damn things. So yeah, I get that. Yeah, especially since I started blackout poetry, there's there's just ripped up books everywhere. There's paint supplies. There's <laughs> glitter and sequins. <laughs> <glue. laughs> it's, it's everywhere. Poor man. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's important to have that uh, that that kind of support system. And uh, you know, I know I have it. I know you have it, and that's that. That's what makes the magic happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really does. Well, now, as people are going to be uh, want to follow your career, how can they best do that on social media, your website, places like that? Yeah, so I'm on basically all the things. Um, I'm definitely not active on Twitter much anymore um, or yeah. whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> but I'm at the Jess McHugh on basically everything. Instagram, TikTok, threads blue sky all all the all the side ones that i don't really see much of um, right yeah i know they were popular for when they first came out now they're kind of like, i'm yeah. there as at the jess McHugh, and uh my website is mcuniverse.com that's m-c-h-u-g-h-n-i-v-e-r-s-e.com <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today. I know the audience enjoyed it, and I I know I sure as hell did. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Of course. And thank you, everybody, for joining us for yet another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. We'll see you next time, everyone. Take care. You have been listening to Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes with host Terrence McCauley on Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.